give God's word. Uh, join with me um, this morning. We're going to be in uh, Genesis uh, again, uh, chapter 35. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 21. Again, Genesis chapter 35, verses 16 through 21. It tells us in God's word, um, reading from the ESV version. Then a journey from Bethel, where they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb, it is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. Let me stop there and ask the Lord to help us and um, bless us at this time. Uh, God, miracle worker, promise keeper, that's who you are. Uh, we come to you right now because you are a good God and you're faithful. Yes. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to guide us in this time of the preaching of the word, that everything is said and everything is done, Lord, is for your glory. That, Lord, my preaching, Lord, that I bring before the people, Lord, is from your text, not from my flesh, Lord, not from my, what I saw on a TV show this week, but, Lord, it's from your word, Lord, to build your people up, Lord. So, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to, to guide me right now. And, Lord, open up the ears of your listeners that, Lord, that your word can, Lord, pierce their hearts, encourage them in your word today, encourage them in your word and build them up in your word. Let your word give all of us life today, Lord. All of us here can testify last week of the ups and downs, of the difficulties last week. Um, but, Lord, we see that you brought us through another week. You brought us here again with your people. So, Lord, let us, Lord, honor you today. And let us, Lord, glorify you, Lord, through the preaching of the word. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today we are introduced with a text with dealing with Rachel and Rachel giving birth to Benjamin. In our society, we have some type of disagreements or differences within our society on birth. One side is the, the gospel-believing side, right? One source said this right here about childbirth. It said, Jesus is our Redeemer. Shockingly, our Redeemer came into this world, as we all did, through the judgment of birth pains. Right? All of us came into the world with birth pains. Whoever birthed you out, it was a painful birth, wasn't it? Wow. Because of his sacrifice on the cross... 
We now have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1.7. We do not have redemption or forgiveness through our fertility. We have through Christ. And the second thing we also embrace as believers in Christ about birth is that God is the creator of everything, including childbirth, right? From eternity past, God ordained Jesus' nighttime words to Nicodemus. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3, 3. We could infer that one reason God created childbirth was so we could have a picture to help us understand what it means to be converted. Called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Untoward, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter declares, born again, not perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So family, as you guys before me, I know that have children. The childbirth pointed to a glorious birth of our what been birthed in Christ. The earthly realm points to a spiritual realm. God has given a tangible thing to point to his glorious things. I was in Chicago this week. It spurred me by arrogance. A lot of times we're saying, we're going to go to the block and give Jesus to the block. But God has already beat us to our block. God is already there. God has already revealed himself through general revelation. The trees testify who God is before we get there. It's no excuse, right? The, the water, right? The river, the grass, all the creation is shouting out that there is a God before we even get there. There's no excuse. Even childbirth. I was able to see the placenta of my babies being born. How the, the glorious wisdom of God dealing with the placenta and the birth of the baby. So family, childbirth, it shares with us is that it points to a glorious reality that now we get to embrace for us being dead in our sin. We've been alive in Christ. We are being born again in Christ. We know what that means now. We make sense that we see a baby been born. Then we've been born in Christ. We see a glorious picture, don't we? That's one side of the story, right? On the other side of this, others in the past have cherished grace in all birth. One still says this one as well. By Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger is a one that proponent of, that supported actually eugenics. Sanger was leading advocate of eugenic movement, specifically a negative eugenics which promoted the reduction of sexual reproduction and sterilization of people with undesired, undesired traits or economic conditions. So what she means is that people that doesn't look fit, that does not financially stable, she breathes in eugenics, which means get rid of them. They don't need to be born. Sanger was leading advocate of eugenics movement, um, I read that part, in 1939, Sanger, through the Birth Control Federation of America, helped to initiate the Negro Project. Unlike many of her associates, she wanted the doctors involved in the project to be black in order to gain the trust of the African-American community. One famous Sanger quote was, and one frequently uh, taken out of context in regards uh, to the project is this, the ministers work is also important 
and also he should be trained perhaps by the Federation as to be as to our ideas and the goal that we hope to reach. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate, exterminate the Negro population and the ministers of the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurred to any of their more rebellious members. So what is she saying here? She's saying is that the black people are unfit. But we can't get them to understand that, so we need to hire some black people, black ministers, to be able to tell them that they're unfit, for them to buy into birth control, for them to take the birth control, for us to eliminate the black race. So one side right here, one side, Margaret Sanger, is a racist, and she used black ministers in a sense of the be about her support system to eliminate not only the black race, but any type of under economic type of climate, anyone that was actually not a part of the superior type race for them to be eliminated on. So family, I bring two things here. One side see birth point to the glorious plan of God. One side see birth as an economic privilege and superiority understanding of it. So bring us to our test today. Childbirth is difficult. It's painful. But childbirth points to a better reality. How are we going to see this? We're going to see the three points. Enduring difficulties. Verse 16. Point two. Difficulties always point to victory. 7 to 18. And point three. Sometimes victory doesn't look the way we envision. Verses 19 and 21. And I can title this, Benjamin, Sorrow to Victory. We learned last, Lord, that Jacob obeyed the Lord after forsaking the Lord for comfort. He allowed his daughter to, to be intermingled with the pagan groups that were called, uh, that was in Shechem, that was called to stay away from and the men of the sons of Israel slaughtered the men of Shechem. And they took the women over in captive. Jacob was called to be a light of the gospel in his community, but he became a stench to the surrounding nations. It was the character of the people of Israel that provoked the other country to war against Jacob and his family. Then on top of that, Jacob's family had idols. They served the gods. They were to worship the one true God. Jacob, what have you done? Your son slaughtered people. Your daughters intermingling with the other people. They have other idols. Jacob, what have you done? So the Lord had Jacob to come back to him to set things back in place. He re to, re to remove the idols, to build the altar for me. Remember me, Jacob. You have forgotten your first love. Remember me, Jacob. You're too busy with the things in this world. Remember me, Jacob. And Jacob obeys the Lord. He comes back to meet the Lord with the Lord on this altar. He prays the Lord. He worships the Lord. Now his family is reminded of where the patriarch Jacob is devoted to now. They're devoted to the God of creation. He is the Lord. And the Lord alone. Family, do we believe that? 
family, that we need to be reminded to come back to our first love. What has occupied our minds? What is occupying us right now that we're giving something else more time than we're giving to the Lord? What is occupying us? Is it our jobs? Is it family? Is it relationships? What is occupying us right now for us to be so involved with these other things when we're not devoted to the Lord? Come back, if that's you. Come back to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. It's a family. The Lord called Jacob to come back to him. Set your eyes upon me. Build the altar for me and worship me. And that's why we had a Lord's Day. That's why we're here today. For us to come back after going through a week with so much trials and difficulties, we get to come back together as the body of Christ. Family, come back to your first love. So Dave for Jacob. Jacob is reminded to come back that the Lord is the Lord and the Lord alone. But we have seen the roller coaster type of vibe in Jacob's life. He come to the Lord and he go away. He come to the Lord and go away. He come to the Lord and go away. He come to the Lord and go away. Over and over again, this inconsistent life of Jacob. He loved the Lord when, when he's but, but when he's tested, he forsake the Lord. He loved the Lord when things are going good, then he forsake the Lord. If the, if the Lord is, if the Lord is, if we're free, right? We don't have anything to do. Okay, we can give our time to the Lord. If we're occupied with things in this world, we don't have time for the Lord. We saw the same concept in Abraham and Sarah. We, we saw this with Noah. Had Noah honored the Lord, then he dishonored the Lord. We saw it with Adam and Eve in creation. They had it all in the garden, then they discerned the Lord. When the people of God had tested so far in scriptures, it had proven to them they forsake the Lord. Amen. The Lord, who is great father, appears against his people. They forsake the Lord, the Lord has come back to his people. And for the people, they place their hearts back in the Lord. Jacob's heart was met with the gentle. In the love of a father last week, but today we will see Jacob face again with difficult situation. Rasha and Kathy Dock. Your trials and difficulties, right? It's no, it's it's it's, it's no exemption of it. In the life of followers of Jesus. Difficulties will be near to us. Amen. It will be near to us. You see it, life of Jacob today. I jump right to point one. Just the enduring of difficulties. Jacob now has built his altar, turned back to the Lord. But look at verse 16, Brother Sean. Then the journey from Bethel, when they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel went into labor. The people of God now leaves Bethel. They on fire, they on fire, they pumped up to serve the Lord. And we'll learn later they're on the way to Hebron, which is memory, which remember where Abraham lived. And I'm pretty sure Jacob now is not expecting any tragedy. 
He's on his way, right, to his great, what, great grandfather's grandfather's house. I mean, when Abraham was already gone to his grandfather's land, Abraham was already dead. He is smiling on that yellow brick road, right? Everything is going to be so easy to get there. He remembers the Lord, Miss Kathy. Everything is so good right now, Miss Alina. The Lord is so good to him. He met with him. The Lord. So right now, he's not expecting something to come across his path. This week, I'm pretty sure all of us had some unexpected things to happen. Well, we see it's unexpected here for Jacob. There's no way that Jacob's going to go through something else. Now, he just met with the Lord last week. It's going to be good for the Christian life, right? You come to Jesus, you follow after the Lord, all your problems and trials go away. That's what some preach, right, and teach. But we see the life of these characters in scriptures, that's not so. The more you live your life on this earth, the more trials come. Family, there's no way around tragedies or difficulties in the Christian life. As Jacob and his family depart from Bethel, they make it close to Ephrath. And later we will learn that the name of Ephrath actually would come from, we know that would be the land we know as Bethlehem. So Jacob is not quite in Bethlehem yet. And Rachel goes into labor. Not in Bethlehem, but goes into labor. This is good news that the 12th male child will be born of Jacob. It's time to rejoice. The 12th male child is going to be born. Be fruitful and multiply. The 12th child is time to rejoice, but not quite. She has a hard labor. A hard labor. Rachel labor became hard. And I know Ms. Doc and Elena might be saying, Creston Thomas, all labors are hard. Ladies around here would say that are that have had children, they would say all labors are hard. Alina would say there's no such thing as a hard, there's no such thing as an easy labor. I would agree. The laboring is hard. It's a lot that goes on with a woman having birth to a child. So all pregnancies have some type of challenges. But we even see you no know, the number of 40 throughout scripture deals with trying times, right? 40 years and 40 days and 40. The 40 always deal with trying. So I would say that, yes, all labors are painful and hard, but the emphasis right here on this hard labor is no, it's no, in a sense of just regular type of labor. This was truly hard labor. This is life and death situation labor. And I'm pretty sure some ladies say, man, all of it feel like we're dying, right? But no, this labor right here, she actually was dying during this labor. So Rachel hard labor was unique. It was something that Rachel nor Leah nor May's servant has ever faced before. The labor is so bad that this labor can lead to death.
So, family, all labor is hard, but some labors are even harder. Not just actually on the side of the physical part of it, the mental aspect as well is hard, difficult with labor. Many have struggled to see the baby that's in the womb of a mother before it's born to actually see it as a baby. They see it difficult for them to be able to see if they can be able to raise that child. Many propose that the baby is not a real human. So the baby is not a major importance. Some even choose to abort or kill the baby a few weeks after conception, a few weeks before, I mean, four weeks after conception, right? Because of the difficulty of having a child. It could be various reasons, the difficulty and pain of it. It could be financial instability, emotional trauma from the past. I want to be young and be free from responsibilities. What could be health concerns? Family. Laboring. Conception is hard. One source talks about the reason why women have said why they chose abortion. Listen to these reasons. One thing said, one source says this. For some women, the pregnancy that they are faced with is not only they choose, one they choose. Women that be, become pregnant as a result of being raped, incest, or sexual assault will often choose to abort. This is usually because these women were violated and do not want to have to live with the thought of memories such as the act to birth of a child. You guys ever heard that before? Some women also seek abortion because they are not emotionally nor mentally prepared to be a mother. So what's going on to say is this. Entering parenthood is scary. Even when plans and women who have no preparation for such a daunting task often decide that abortion is the best route. This is common with women who become pregnant in high school and college and are left choosing between becoming a mother or education. Most women are aware that without a proper education, it's extremely hard to find a job that can support both mom and baby. Studies have shown that less than half of teenage girls who become pregnant before 18 are able to successfully graduate from high school. Those women who become pregnant in college usually drop out and never finish earning their degree. So family, Laboring with a baby is difficult. The physical pain, emotional decisions, they are difficult. And on the other hand, there are women who are happily to be pregnant, but are faced with decisions to have an abortion because the fetus is defective, one source says. This means that when born, the child was not able to live normal life because of health concerns. So family, all these things are difficult. It was difficult for Rachel, right? And difficult for even women in our communities today. Decisions that have to be made 
they feel like. But let me say this right here. We know the difficulties are around us, difficulties are around us, but that doesn't mean God is absent. Sorrow isn't the absence of God. Remember that, write that down. Sorrow isn't the absence of God. But sorrow is the circumstance of hard hope being shattered. Sorrow is the circumstance of our hope being shattered. But still, that doesn't mean the absence of God. Fathers and mothers here today, the difficulties that come with a child may be many. Again, but that doesn't mean God is absent. Many times the media doesn't give enough time to process a pregnancy. But go straight in with complete sorrow. You can't afford that child. You got to graduate school. There's no way out for you. There's no joy could come out of a mother having a child that's looking forward to nursing school with minimum wage job, with already having several kids. We hear today all these things going on. It makes pregnancy about our comforts, comfort and not about God overall intended for human life. So it's difficult. We want a comfortable life. A child, we feel like a time holds us back from a comfortable life. A child holds us back from our dreams. We want comfort so what? We pick comfort over a child. So family again, the physical pain of having a child is real. The emotional and the mental things are difficult as well. So how can a person endure with difficulties in pregnancy? That's the same thing we can ask Rachel and Jacob. How does someone dare endure through this? Rachel and Jacob, you're going through a difficult pregnancy right here. That one can lose their life with so many things that's happening. How do you endure through such difficulties? Brings to point number two. Difficulties always point to victory. And when her labor in verse 17 was at the hardest, the midwife said to her, so now the pregnancy is pretty bad now. Rachel was running out of time. That single mother in our community feels like she's running out of time. That she, Rachel has to make a decision. The single mother in our community has to make a decision. When fear is consuming us, right? And fear is all around Decisions have to be made at nursing school and, and, and having comforts or even to live through physical pain that you cannot have any more child. I say that you cannot get pregnant. You got pregnant again. You're ready to risk your life. Mother, are you going to go through with this? Family here today, let me pause for just a second. One, two, three, four, a 
because the seconds are passing. Five, six, family. Right now, every second, it's a mother right now in the world that is contemplating on keeping a child because of the difficulties. Right now. Think about that right now. Right now. And in just a second, if a baby's going to live. Just a second, is a mother going to live? Right now, family, this is serious. Right now, it's happening around us. We are sitting in the church. We are comfortable. But a mother right now is actually contemplating, is she want to go to nursing school? Is she want to keep that baby? It's right now. This is not just something that happened 4,000 years ago. This is not something that happened when we were kids. Family, one, two, three. Every second passes, a mother is actually contemplating if she's going to keep that child. This is how serious this is. This is how serious this is. So a mother is running out of time right now. The fear is there. No way I can keep this child. And the fear is there. There's no way I can continue in this. The fear, the anxiety, everything around them, just stop it, stop it, stop it. I don't want to hear no more. I don't know what to do. Family, that is happening right now. The fear starts setting in. But in the past, when fear is about to set in, but Abraham and Sarah not able to have their son Isaac yet, the Lord comes to him and tell Abraham, do not fear. Do not fear. But here in our text, we are met with a different voice than the Lord. Look back in our verse 17. We are met with a different voice now. We're met with the voice from the midwife. Now the Lord even used the midwife to say, do not fear. You have another son. Midwife didn't share more sorrow here. She didn't give Rachel 10 reasons not to have this child. Better yet, she didn't give one reason why not to have this child. But she encourages Rachel of a new child being born. The sorrow that consumed Rachel now turned to victory. The baby was born. We know that Rachel was sorrowful that her pregnant by the name she gave the child. Look in verse 18. And as her soul was departing, she was dying. She called his name Benoni. You guys know what Benoni means? Benoni means son of sorrow. Sorrow. Rachel's pregnancy was so difficult that she was about to die. Now, sure, if it was because of the loss of blood here that she knew she was going to die. Not sure. It doesn't give us in detail why she knew she was about to die. But it was so rough for her. So she named the son born Benoni, meaning son of sorrow. So no one would ever forget the sorrow that came from the labor of Rachel. Let me mention something else about Rachel. That she all has always been favorite wife of Jacob. This is happening to Jacob's favorite wife that he walked all these years for. This is the one that's considered beautiful over Leah. She was everything to Jacob. 
Jacob, the one that just built the altar, now he's getting ready to lose the wife that was so important to him. Why, Rachel? Couldn't it have been Miss Maysurvey? Couldn't it have been Leah? Why did the Lord taking away Rachel and not Leah or the maidservants? Why Rachel, which is Jacob's prized possession? Sorrow is now before Jacob. The sorrow is now before Jacob. He's going to lose his wife that he cared more about. Even in an entourage to meet Esau, he put the maidservant in the kids. He put Leah there. And then lastly, he put Rachel in the back. God seemed like he's taken away what means the most to Jacob. But Jacob didn't respond in sorrow. He responds in different ways. Look back into our verse. But his father called his name, called him Benjamin. You guys know what Benjamin stands for? Benjamin. The word Ben in Hebrew. You saw Benoni. The word Ben means son. Yemen or Jemen means victory. He changes the rate that the name that Rachel gave a son of sorrow to a son of victory. Sorrow is always going to be around us. It's going to shout louder. Sorrow is going to shout louder that you cannot keep this child. Sorrow is going to shout louder that you're going to be able to be thriving. You're going to be able to get the best job. Sorrow is going to shout louder than victory. But for us in Christ, sorrow will never overcome victory. Amen. Even when it doesn't feel like victory is near, it is shouting to us louder as all get out that victory is here in the midst of sorrow is so many promises of God that we get to hold to. Sorrow can never take the joy that we have in Christ. Sorrow can never be louder than what we have in Christ. But sorrow is going to manipulate your mind and say that victory is nowhere to be found. Sorrow is going to try to manipulate you and tell you, forget to come to church on Sunday. I'm going to tell you not to come to church on Sunday. Sorrow is going to tell you that there's no hope with the people of God. Sorrow is going to tell you and everything that what all this stuff doesn't really even matter. I'm praying to God and not even listen. Sorrow is going to talk so loud, but family, it is not louder than what Christ has done on the cross. Amen. So family, when sorrow sets in and contemplation sets in, when hard times set in, family, we look to what has been given to us, which is Christ and Christ alone. And what did Jacob do here? Israel do here? He saw sorrow there, but he also saw victory. He is already hoping that God is going to do something he might not understand what he's going to do. That the promise is not coming from Rachel. The, the promise is going to come from Leah. And we're going to end here at point three. Sometimes victory doesn't look the way we envision it. So Rachel died, and she was buried 
on the way to Ephrath in Babylon, Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over tomb. It is the pillar of Rachel's tomb, which is there to this day. Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Edar. Rachel died. Rachel means, I think, God's lamb or God's shepherdess. She died. In sorrow, she consumed Jacob. And let me say this. It's okay to grieve a person's death. But death doesn't lead us to hopelessness. Rachel died and was buried near Bethlehem. I don't think it's any coincidence. Look back in time verses here in 19 through 21. Ephrath in Bethlehem. If you notice that, they was on the way to Bethlehem and they didn't make it to Bethlehem. Why are they giving us this detail? The Bible doesn't make mistakes, Rodshot. The Bible doesn't make mistakes, mistake, Alina. Rachel died, was buried near Bethlehem. And I'm going to come back to that here shortly. And Jacob sets up a pillar there so that no one forget that Rachel died there. Again, you might be like sorrow is everywhere in this text. But the few minutes we have left, let me lay out before us that the victory is everywhere as well. Rachel points us to one that we asked to be born in Bethlehem. You notice? It wasn't time for that true child to be born in Bethlehem yet. The child didn't make it to Bethlehem because it wasn't time for the child to make it to Bethlehem. The child that's going to come to make it from Bethlehem is going to be Jesus. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so right now, this test is letting us know that they almost made it to Bethlehem, but it's almost time for the Messiah to come, but it's not yet time. So Benjamin's birth lets us know if someone is going to be born after him that's going to make it to Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph didn't have that much time either. Right? Jacob and Ashley, Rachel didn't have that much time. Mary and Joseph didn't have that much time. One didn't make it. One did make it. It's letting us know there was one that was going to come better than Benjamin. Benjamin's birth points to Jesus' birth. Jacob now doesn't have anywhere else to turn but to the Lord after losing his wife, Rachel. The belittling of Leah and others for Rachel could never give him true satisfaction. Long as I have Rachel, I'm going to be satisfied. Jacob now seeing that Rachel couldn't truly satisfy him because now Rachel has died. Jacob, look to me for true satisfaction. Family, what do we have our eyes upon in our lives for true satisfaction? Is it our kids? Is it our money? Is it our friends? Is it our egos? Where are we resting upon? What are we resting upon for satisfaction? Jacob will rest upon Leah. Leah passed away. So Jacob, what do you have now? Everything around you is going to pass away. And what are you going to hold on to then? God. To God. Hope can only be found in the perfect God-man, Jesus Christ. 
Lastly, Rachel was born in the land of wicked people. Remember Rachel, right? She grew up in the, in the land of Padamaron and the wicked people. She, she, she was there with Laban, her dad, in a land of unbelievers. And now she follows her husband to the land of promise. She actually was born in the land of pagan gods. Now she's going to be buried in the land of the promise of God. The Lord brought it out from worshiping many pagan gods to brought it to learn to worship the true living God. It's a family. You see the victory in those couple instances I just mentioned there? It seemed like with our eyes are closed and we're sad, we're weeping that, that the baby that might not live and, and we're thinking about that Rachel might not live and you see that Rachel did die and the baby did live, but family... In the midst of that sorrow, look at how much good things have happened that Benjamin pointed to Jesus coming. That their Rachel Dell point is that we can find our rest in Jesus. You see how much victory in a list of a sorrowful situation? Family, now look back at your situation right now in life. Right? Look at all the good things we have in Christ. Yes, you can mention that you don't have any money in your account. Yes. Uh, yes, you can mention that your employers are treating you unfairly. Yes, you can mention that friends are turning their back on you. Let me tell you all the other things you can mention. You're a child of God. He never leave you or forsake you. He keep you when you can't keep yourself. He won't bring harm against you. He's going to preserve you to the day of promise. He brings in his new kingdom. We are citizens. We are saints. We are redeemed. Family, do I need to keep going? All these things we are in Christ will always outweigh with what we got going on in our life. What's one you're going to be, let be louder to you, though? What's one you're going to allow to be louder to you? Complaining all day? about the hurts and the hurts and the hurts or be joyful regardless of these things I am reconciled I'm more than enough not by my works but by him who done the work for me let me end with a couple applications write these things down don't believe in sorrow believe in God's word Write that down. Don't believe in sorrow. Believe in God's word. That he won't let you drown in this world. But his teaching during those times of sorrow, of suffering, he's teaching you endurance. But God's word says, the scriptures also are profitable for the man of God. Family, God, through his word, is growing us to be better Christians, to be better daughters and sons of the true king. So, family, don't believe in sorrow, believe in God's word. Don't let sorrow be louder than God's word. Every time you think about a bad situation, name about 10 things you have in Christ. Every time. Name it. Every time a sorrow comes, Write down 10 things you have in Christ every time. 
What you have in Christ will already outnumber the sorrow. It's already outweighed the sorrow as well. Number two application. I know raising a child is hard, but that is just hard, but it's a job you don't have to do alone. Pregnancy and rearing up a child, it is designed to be difficult. Rearing up a child is designed to be difficult. Why? A child makes us uncomfortable. I don't want any more kids. I don't want any more kids. I don't want to be around. Can I raise mine? I'm done with mine. I'm done with kids. A lot of time they come from because of the uncomfortable nature of a child does in our life. A child makes us face the fact that we cannot enjoy our lives selfishly. A child exposes our selfish hearts that now we got to be patient. We got to be caring. We got to do things that we might not feel like doing. We might want to go over here and do this, but now the child needs this. We got to care for that child. So family, raising a child, it exposes our hearts. And it's a tool of sanctification for the believer. The Lord uses children to mold us in the image of his son. Also in the church. The Lord uses us to grow each and every one of us in the image of his son. All of our personalities are different. We need different personalities in the church. Different personality God uses to mold and shape us. So a child makes life more than about just our comfort. Comfort. It makes us to show us how to die to self. It tells us in Paul. Isn't that what Jesus commands us? We must die to self daily. And the Lord uses children to get us to be quickly to die to self and make him a priority. So when we consider abortion, we also to consider to give the rid of the wisdom of God and our sanctification. Abortion makes it about us. Not about God's glory. Not about our being born again. Not about the flourishing of humanity. It's about our selfishness. Point three. Sorrow points to restoration. One day God will restore all things to himself. Jesus healing the broken prepares for ultimate restoration. Remember that it will be a day that sorrow will cease. Sorrow is temporary. It will cease, y'all. Miss Kathy, sorrow will cease. But victory in Jesus forever. Sorrow got an expiration date. That milk them kids be drinking that fire. That's what sorrow got us on, on his back as well. It got an expiration date. Sorrow got a day that's going to stop. You see it now. Many of us looked at bad past situations the last 20, 30 years. A lot of those things that were sorrow for us, it stopped. Sorrow has an expiration date. And one day sorrow is going to be put away forevermore. One glorious day. Sorrow is temporary. But God's kingdom that is already but not yet is eternal. Forevermore. Last thing, fourth. I got this from a source. Four tips for coping in difficult pregnancies. 
Four tips. Pray to your fears with others. For those that are pregnant right now, pray to your fears with others. If you know anybody, I'll write this down to maybe give somebody else you might not know that's pregnant. Pray to your fears with others. Trust your providers and pray for them. Your medical provider, trust them and pray for them. Don't spend a lot of day on the internet. Don't spend a lot of day on the internet. Number four, commit your child to God. Commit your child to God. Give that. Pray for that. If you see a sister or someone that you know, that co-worker, somebody that ran you expecting, pray for them and tell them to commit their child to God. With that being said, let me stop here today and we'll get back to it with Lord's willingness, Lord's day. Let me pray for us.